0: Well, Ty Thompson is still on Oregon football's roster. That was surprising to some, perhaps, but he could still start for the Ducks one day. Here we go. You are Locked On Ducks, your daily podcast on the Oregon Ducks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Yes, it is that time once again for Locked On Ducks. I'm your host, Spencer McLaughlin. Thank you so much for making this your first listen or your first view of the day. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your number one source to stay up to date with the Ducks, which is why, if you haven't already, please like, comment, subscribe, wherever you listen to or watch this show, which today is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, official sportsbook of Locked On. Make every moment more. Visit fanduel.com slash Locked On today to get started. So, Plenty of questions continuing to pile up in the mailbag, which I love, by the way. YouTube comments, Twitter, both ways to get at me and get a question answered here on the show. Bud Everts via the Twitter direct messages slid right up into the DMs, which you can do as well. At Smalls underscore 55 or at Locked on Ducks. Question. Ty Thompson is a rarity these days, sticking it out, working hard, not giving up, and hopefully being a legendary duck quarterback. Like Joey Harrington, who saw the field in only one game during his first two years behind Achilles Smith and Jason Moss. In his third year, I'll be honest, I know who Achilles Smith is. I am not old enough, bud. I apologize to really know who the second guy is. In his third year, A.J. Feely started, I know that name, the first six games before Joey started and then led us to some of the best moments and are the best and most fun seasons in memory. Do you see similarities between the two, Joey and Ty, and a bright future for Ty. I hope so. I am with you 100% that he represents something of a rarity in college football nowadays. I would not have been surprised that at this point in time, and frankly still wouldn't be, because there is another portal window. If if, if he did end up transferring at one point in time, I don't know about right now, because he's the clear number two quarterback going into going into this year. And he's got experience with Dan Lanning as a head coach and the rest of the offensive staff. Obviously, Will Stein is new, but I was kind of 60, 40, 65, 35 that he might have transferred by now just because the playing time wasn't there. But I think, I think my memory is notoriously like hit and hit and miss. I think what what my take was at the time was one of Butterfield or Thompson will probably transfer. And I thought it would be Thompson because it feels like he's someone who could go to another Power 5 school and get a starting job because of the immense arm talent that he has that is just unique compared to other quarterbacks. Sorry for those of you watching on YouTube. I don't know what is in my eye right now. But Butterfield left. Thompson stayed. But I still think that makes him somewhat of a rarity because it's, it's just become commonplace for guys to say, I'm not the starter, especially for a guy like Ty Thompson, who was a highly sought after recruit, highest rated quarterback recruit coming out of high school that Oregon has ever landed in program history and program history. But here he is still there, like Bud said, sticking it out. And I think that is a sign that he could be a starter one day. Is there a guarantee on that? No, absolutely not. Because if he were the guy that many of us hoped he was coming out of high school, he probably, or Oregon might not have felt the need. Maybe they would have because Dan Lanning didn't know him and didn't recruit him, but he would not have felt the need to bring in Bo Nix or He could have at one point in time if he was so, so good surpassed Anthony Brown, who was, you know, a starting caliber quarterback, but certainly not one of the better ones Oregon's had in the last 10, 15 years. But just because you're starting caliber quarterback doesn't mean you're automatically going to have that job, because if Ty Thompson was, you know, an otherworldly player when he came out of high school and was ready to play right away, he would have because Brown did struggle at times. And just because you're capable of starting and winning games does not mean that you can't get beaten out by a younger guy. Exhibit A, Darren Thomas left the program because this other guy was ready. So what we know about Ty Thompson right now is he's not ready to be a starting quarterback. But I think it's a highly encouraging sign that he's still on campus because to me, That says he has the sort of personality, the sort of mindset that's a little bit more old school that I can really appreciate because I'm much more of an old school guy, even though as you can tell, I'm on the younger side, a la Spider-Man in Captain America Civil War. But that represents someone who does want to put in the work and is willing to be patient. And that's just not something that we see very often. But his willingness to be patient and to work and to develop, I think could spell good things from going forward. It's not a lock, but here's the thing. Bo Nicks is Oregon's starter this year. We all understand that. If God forbid something happens to Bo Nicks, Ty Thompson is Oregon's quarterback. So I think he recognizes that not as an opportunity per se, because knowing what we know about Ty, he would never want that to happen, of course. But it is something that plays in the back of your mind when you're the number two quarterback on the roster. Like, look, injuries happen sometimes. And if Bo Nix hadn't been able to go, I mean, we were talking going into, I think it was the Utah game last year when Bo was really banged up and was hobbling around on the field. We were talking about the possibility of what do we need from Ty Thompson if he's starting at quarterback? And then there was the whole you know, Chris Hudson leak of, you know, Ty next man. And then that never came to fruition and whatnot, which just goes to show you, you never know until something actually happens. But you're the backup quarterback going into this year. And then going into 2024, Oregon has no dead set quarterback plan. Well, you can always go to the transfer portal. Yeah, you could. But Ty Thompson right now has to be gaining a tremendous amount of credibility and respect from the coaching staff. So from a personality standpoint, him sticking it out, continuing to put in the work, showing up, doing his job and getting himself as ready as he can be, has to be earning him a lot of goodwill with the Oregon coaching staff, which does matter. Now, if his game is not able to match that goodwill, then no, he won't be the starter going into next year. But is it possible? Yeah, because if he's sticking it out, that means he want, he's committed to the process. That he wants to try and learn and grow and get better, which, based on what we know about him as a quarterback, is what we need, is what he needs to do to be a starter. Because it he he doesn't have a size problem, he doesn't have a strength problem, doesn't have a mobility problem, doesn't have an arm strength problem. The things that he needs to improve upon that we know right now are accuracy, that comes with practice and also operating and understanding an offense and defenses as well, which can come with time. And he might've been one of those guys coming out of high school who didn't process things as quickly as you need to, to make the immediate jump to the power five level. But that doesn't mean he couldn't one day. And if you're taking a guy who's seen as more of a raw quarterback prospect, but with a high, high amount of upside, which Ty certainly is him sitting for three years, and watching how quarterbacks win games, the reads they make, the throws they make, the offenses they run, how they execute, the checks they make, all that sort of stuff, it could very well be exactly what he needs. It could. And and, and regardless of whether or not that happens, I give him a lot of credit for sticking it out to this point. Because I think most guys, especially amid a coaching change, would have left. They would have said, I don't know the coach is coming in. But Ty's betting on himself and saying, I want to be here. I want to give myself a shot. I want to work harder and give myself an opportunity, which I really, really like. I do. The last part of your question. Do you see a bright future for Ty? I will answer that question after I tell you about FanDuel. Because it's the midway point in the NBA season, it's here, and it's the perfect time to download FanDuel, America's number one sports book. New customers get a no sweat first bet up to $1,000. If you're watching on YouTube, you know why I laughed right there. Uh, that's a no sweat first bet. That's uh, bonus bets back. If your first bet doesn't win, you can bet on everything from the money line to point scores, threes drain and everything else that you need. You can combine them for a same game parlay. Don't miss the chance to get your no sweat first bet up to $1,000 in bonus bets. When you go to fanduelcom slash locked on that's fanduelcom slash locked on to learn more, make every moment more with Fanduel, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. So the last part of Bud's question here. Do you see similarities between the two, Joey and Ty, and a bright future for Ty? I definitely see the similarities, right? Different quarterbacks have have come in and started ahead of him, and he's, you know, learned under those guys or watched them play, all that sort of stuff. The bright future component, I think, will come down to Ty. Is he able to improve accuracy? consistency, commanding an offense, reading a defense. The things that though in limited action we've seen him struggle with at times, right? Like you go back to, you know, the amount he played in in 2021 and he came in in that what was it the the Colorado game and that interception he threw was not as accurate as it needed to be and it wasn't the right read either and he came off of the correct read. And then you watch the spring game last year and he showed glimpses of it, right? He had a couple of deep crosser throws where you're like, man, that that's a high-level arm right there. Because he is a high-level arm talent. But then you saw one of his interceptions where he locked onto a guy, stared him down, and threw the ball right to the, the, the defender. I think it was Keith Brown actually who picked that off. Don't fully remember. But r- regardless, those are the sorts of things he has to improve upon. Whether or not he could have a bright future, yeah, he still could. This is not an all hope is lost. He will never be a good player, or anything of the sorts. He's just not the player. A lot of people wanted him to be, which is eh, maybe sit for a year, but be ready to start right away. And you're a high rated, highly rated quarterback prospect. Here's the thing about star ratings. And this applies for frankly, every position, mostly not entirely because the, the guys who do the scouting are doing more than, than just evaluating at a seven on seven camp, for instance. But Mostly, you can get highly rated if you have elite physical traits, which Tide does. Now, you have to have production. You have to be able to make some throws and show glimpses and whatnot. But I don't think a star rating, especially, especially, especially for a quarterback, is always dependent or is always indicative, rather, of how prepared that kid is to start at the next level. Some positions can go high school to college really easily. But the jump from high school sports to college sports, especially for a quarterback, is massive. It is gargantuan. And sometimes it just takes time to develop into the best version of yourself. Some guys get the opportunity to learn by playing, but some guys have to learn, like Joey Harrington did, for instance, by watching. And some guys might need longer to develop than others. Bo Nix, for example was a seventy one percent completion percentage quarterback this year in his fourth year of college football. his first year at Auburn as a true freshman, he was around fifty seven percent that 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 is a grand canyon size leap. But what happened? He had time. He was able to spent a couple years in an offensive system. He actually had some coaching turnover there at Auburn, but he played, he made mistakes, he learned, he studied, he got coached, all that sort of stuff. And Ty isn't getting the on-field reps, but he is doing that off the field. So I, I, I do think the potential is still there, but whether or not he will realize it is ultimately going to come down to him. I, I really think it will. Because going into next year, there's no quarterback plan, none. There, there is not a transfer to keep your eye on at this point in time that we can see. you know, Novasat I think, is a little bit more of a developmental quarterback. I think he's a lot like Jay Butterfield when he came out of, of high school. I see a lot of similarities between the two. Ty Thompson will be the most experienced quarterback on the roster, barring a transfer, and you never know, right? Oregon might just keep hitting the transfer portal, finding a quarterback that they like. Seems like it's always going to be an option. But they could also look in-house and say, Hey, we got this kid and we feel good about him. Let's give him a chance. And that'll be year, pretty sure that'll be year four for Ty Thompson. And I think he maintained a red shirt. So I think he's got a year of eligibility after 2024 as well. So fascinating. But good question, bud. Very, very good question. Oregon made another hire on the coaching staff. I'm always curious how this stuff works because. Dan Lanning hired an offensive line coach, but then hired a new assistant offensive line coach slash analyst. I don't know. Sometimes they just kind of make the make these roles up, so to speak, or say, I know this guy, I want him on staff. We think we have a role for him. And then they just kind of come up with a position name, Mike Cavanaugh is uh, Oregon's new assistant offensive line coach and is also working as an offensive analyst role. It's basically someone who is on staff and is just a high level consultant doing more than just, you know, making observations uh, essentially, but he's the assistant offensive line coach. And I think this hire makes a lot of sense. So he spent the last two years at Arizona state as the O-line coach. And I don't think they retained him there when they, they got their new staff led by Dilly, of course. But he spent time in his career at Syracuse, Nebraska, and Oregon State. He is not what you would call a young up-and-comer. He is the opposite. He is more the wily veteran. And I like this move a lot. I think the upside with Aleek Terry as your offensive line coach is, is very real. The potential is immense. Recruiting, coaching, all this sort of stuff. But he's a really, really young guy. And he's ne- he's only been a position coach at the college level at Hawaii, and he's only he only did it for one year. And then he went to the NFL, was coaching on the defensive line. Now he's back to the offensive line here with the Ducks. I think this is a smart move for two reasons. Number one, I like the idea of having a young guy be the offensive line coach, but having an experienced veteran guy there who can help him kind of learn the ropes, ask questions, you know, any any question, anything that Terry's going to be somewhat unfamiliar with or not super experienced with, Kavanaugh is going to have the answer or going to have some wisdom on that front. So I am a fan of having that available to a young coach because I think mentors for for coaches are just as important as coaches are for players, right? Like every coach learned under somebody. Dan Lanning learned under Kirby Smart. Or you, you know, Chip Kelly learned for a little bit under Mike Bilotti when he came over as the offensive coordinator, right? I think having someone there just as a voice of experience, wisdom and knowledge, I, I think that's a good thing for a young coach. But the other thing, too, is he's been a power five offensive line coach at four different schools. So if a league Terry, who by all accounts seems to be an ambitious guy in a year or two were offered an offensive coordinator job, or if he wanted to go back to the NFL where he spent last year with the Minnesota Vikings, if he were offered a really good position there, then if you're Dan Lanning, I think you could also be making this hire as almost like a little bit of insurance and say, if I don't want to go make that hire again, we could always just promote Kavanaugh because we know what he's going to bring to the table. And we know that he's capable of being a power five offensive line coach full time. So I think it makes a lot of sense. I don't think it changes things uh, dramatically, right? I mean, Terry's still the head co- the the head coach for that position group and the most important one. But I think there's a there's a lot of logic here. So wrap up with uh, some basketball talk today. A couple things. First of all, first of all, the women finally got that annoying thing out of the way, and that was ending a seven game losing skid. And they didn't just do it. They beat number 14, Arizona. So now the team that last time I brought them up was in the, I think, first four out on the women's side. Just picked up a win against a top 15 opponent. What's that going to do to their resume? I don't know. But if you're talking about making the tournament as an at-large team the women are more likely than the men at this point in time. And look, it shows you what the women's team has been capable of this entire time. Like in in this losing streak, they haven't been getting blown out. They've had leads going into the fourth quarter in more than a couple of these games. I think of the seven, it's like three or four. They've led going into the fourth and just haven't been able to close. But against Arizona, they were finally able to. And that just felt like, though the regular season is winding down, a turning point of sorts where you'd say, okay, is that what's going to get them their confidence back? Is that what's going to get them their mojo back? And and give them that belief once again that they know how to win these games. Because for a while there, it felt like a dire situation. But that win against that team, really important down the stretch, from a resume standpoint and from a conference standpoint. Different story, though, for Dane Altman's team. Three games to go. They're next four out, according to Joe Linardi, which I guess it could be worse. The problem is they don't really have any quality wins left on their schedule. In the regular season, conference tournament time. Yeah, they're probably going to need to pick up some wins. But here's the thing that I'm really hoping for for the Ducks this week. Tomorrow, they play Oregon State on the road. Now, Oregon State is improved from last year. Last year, they won one, two, three games. They're not good. They are very not good. Game is in Corvallis. They've been a solid team at home this year. I think there's something like nine and five in, uh, in in Corvallis. I don't know what their arena is called now that I think about it, but I almost called it Reser for a sec. D- Things are not going the way they're supposed to for Oregon basketball on either side of the aisle. Please just don't lose that game to Oregon State like that. That would just make things worse. It's not going to be a season saver, but I really hope that they win that game just from the standpoint of you never like losing Oregon State in anything. And number two, it would be seriously deflating after those two close losses on the road against the Cougs and the Huskies up in Washington, if you then went on the road after you had a buy on Thursday and lost to that Oregon State team, that would be disappointing to say the least. And then next week they close with Cal and Stanford, and then it's the conference tournament. I'm never going to count, this, count a Dana Altman team out entirely until I see it come down but it does have a very similar feel to last year. Last year they flashed moments of greatness too. Their highs were really high. They beat USC and UCLA on the road when they were both top five in the country. Like that was outstanding. You thought, okay, here we go. They're they're turning the corner. They're doing. And then they lost to Cal last year, and they lost to Arizona State twice. And ASU was bad last year. And this team just has a very similar feel. And you got a lot of the same players. There are certainly a number of new ones, but maybe it makes some sense on that front. But you never know what can happen in March. I know it's easy to be really down about this team at the moment because I I feel that way too. And Dane Altman feels that way. He was talking just the other day about how frustrated he and the team is or are, he and the team are with how the season have gone, has gone and the losses that they've had. And it's not going the way they want it to either. And it's certainly not going the way I want it to or how all of you would like it to go as well. But what I will say is anything can happen in March. You get hot at the right time, you never know. You, you, you really, really never know. You just got to get in and then see if you can make something happen. Hopefully they can appreciate everyone listening. Have a great weekend. Thanks for tuning in as always. Have a wonderful rest of your day and go ducks.